Welcome to Recommissioned, a Battlestar Galactica podcast by LSG Media. Each week, we sit down to watch an episode of Battlestar Galactica. Now, I've seen them all, but my good pal Matt has only seen up to the one we are covering. And on this week's episode, we bring you the series finale. Season 4, episode 21, Daybreak, part 3. I laid out the cabin today. It's going to have an easterly view. You should see the light that we get here. And the sun comes from behind those mountains. It's almost heavenly. Reminds me of you. This is the end, doom, doom, doom. This is the end, my friend. What's up, buddy? Napalm and nukes all across the colony. Holy shit. Oh, man. It's done. We're here. It's over. Good God. People are dead. People are gone. (laughs) And yet people live on. Some live on. Some live on, yes. On new earth. On real earth. On our earth. The earth. Holy shit. (laughs) Wow. <gasps> Ten years, baby. Ten years. <laughs> we made it. <laughs> made it to the end. We marched on. Holy shit. Crazy, huh? A feather God. in the cap. <laughs> so, obviously, there's no plot in this episode. This is just- Not much. This yeah. is just kind of like how it ends. So, my guess is, is this will be a little bit of a different episode. And I'll be honest with you. It's bittersweet, you know. This is a project that you and I decided to start. And then halfway through that project, we're like, boy, what a fucking project we've undertaken. (laughs) We we tried some things in the first season with like the little teaser trivia. We tried banking episodes. We tried all kinds of different things with this particular podcast. And um, we learned a lot in this podcast. We learned a lot of, uh, a lot, a lot of what not to do and a lot of what to do. And, I, uh, this, this project, <clears throat> excuse me, will always be near and dear to me, um, for two reasons. Number one, it's a completed project that you and I have done. Um, number two, it's a show that I deeply adore. And, um, number three, for all of the reasons I kind of was mentioning before, it's, it was just this moment in LSG time where we're like, let's do this. And then we kind of did it. And, it's cool to reflect on it, and um, there are days where, many days, where I didn't want to sit down and watch it, let alone record it. <laughs> and that's the reality of sometimes doing this kind of work, that sometimes you want to do it and sometimes you don't, like anything. Um, but sometimes powering through is kind of, kind of rewarding. So it's going to be sad to not talk about Battlestar Galactica anymore. I'm looking for a much needed uh, day a week break, uh, as we <laughs> as we will now have a a bit of a void here, um, and I think <clears throat> there's going to be a lot of meta talk like this in this episode because I think people want to reflect on this. They won't. I mean, yeah, but Battlestar is one thing, but we're their pals, and we have been every other week 
for years and then every week for several months. So I think we're going to do a lot of talking about that kind of stuff and, of course, our thoughts on the episode. And, of course, my plan is to discuss every listener comment this week. Um, And so much of their comments have so much to do with this episode and what we're going to end up talking about anyway. So I think that's the way I'm looking at covering Daybreak Part 3. So, yeah, I, I know... I think you and I still would like to do the plan. Um, that's not going to be next week. I think we're, we want to take a few weeks off, and then we'll watch the plan and come back and drop it on you. Um, stay in the Facebook group because we will use it to announce our recording of the plan. And um, and please understand that we are very flattered that you guys want us to cover many things. Um, however, that's just not going to happen at this point. Um, we're going to enjoy. We're going to do a victory lap <laughs> for completing this. And we're going to continue to focus our efforts on the Lost Drive-In and Lost Drive-In bonus content with this extra time that we have. Um, And I think we are going to also look towards tackling much shorter-term projects. Um, You know, we've talked about on the bonus feed maybe covering the Dune novel. We've talked about maybe Firefly or short things like that that we can kind of push through. That aren't giant Mini long series commitments. Type things, limited series. Yeah, stuff like that, like a Chernobyl type of thing. Um, so, obviously, if you're listening to the Battlestar Galactica podcast, my guess is you're also subscribed to the Lost Driving podcast. And if not, you should be, because then you can stay abreast of all the happenings at LSG as it is sort of the hub of information. Um, so, that's a bit of my preamble. I don't know if you have any preamble before we get into some of our overarching thoughts about this uh, conclusion of the show. No, no, man. I'm kind of my head is still swimming about Battlestar and and the entire series and my feelings about it all. I'm, I guess I'm kind of ready just to start uh, wading in, and especially like we were saying, you know, I think the backbone of this particular episode is gonna be our listener comments. We're gonna we you guys left a ton of great, long, yep. detailed, thoughtful comments, uh, and we want to get to them and kind of use them as springboards for the discussion of the whole episode. I, I think so. Yeah, because there's so many, and I don't want to miss anybody this time. Um, especially if some people get read more than others or people don't chime in as much as others, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, uh, and of course, and we'll probably do this at the end, but I just wanted to say thank you to everybody who um, stuck through thick and thin with this podcast through uh, sometimes weeks missed, released week <laughs> releases missed, uh, sometimes reschedulings that aren't always convenient. And, um, and hopefully... We, uh, we have um, delivered for you in the end, and hopefully doing a straight run every week on this for the most part was, uh, was a good way to say thank you to you guys. But we do appreciate your ears. We do appreciate your attention. You know, there's 100,000 TV and movie podcasts just in that category, and there's probably more. And there's like that many added to the queue every, every fucking week or something, lib, lib, the libs and people were telling me. It's crazy. Um, especially now there's a lot of competition for ears. It's getting to be more and more competition for ears. And uh, we hope that you uh, stick with us and we thank you very much for getting this far. So if you're listening to this, um, thank you very much for thank for everything. Absolutely. And being so involved on the page and yeah, leaving great thoughts. A lot of great thought-provoking stuff, stuff that we missed, stuff that has, I mean, it's, in a way, it makes Matthew and I's job easier because we can content. We sort of like content farm because what's happening is you guys are giving us thoughts 
in a different way, with a different perspective, with a different POV. And then suddenly we are in a conversation regarding that. And as Matthew has already intimated, that's going to happen today. Um, but before that, Matthew, we don't want to just hide behind our listeners. We have to lead from the front. So Indeed. get your shield up. I'll get my spear over the top of it. And let's, let's start marching into the, or, 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 or let's just start bracing for the impact of the wave of the, uh, of Xerxes's killers as we, <laughs> as we die here at the end <laughs> at Thermopylae. I don't know what I'm saying, but give me your overall thoughts on Daybreak 3 and, uh, and, and just free, just free, free form like you do, kiddo. Boy, oh boy. Well, Daybreak Part 3, the ending of Battlestar Galactica. Um, I'll admit on my first watch, my first go around on this, I wasn't I wasn't disappointed, but I didn't quite know what to feel. I, I sure. was a little mixed on on multiple things uh, in this episode. Second watch around was better. Um, I definitely felt more satisfied, and certainly more satisfied as far as where a lot of our characters end up. Um, you know, some of the goodbyes, some of these final moments, and. The, especially just the overall embracing of an uncertain future with optimism, I really enjoyed. Yeah, uh, because yeah, it's, so, it's a cool message. Right, and, and so much of the series has been about these competing ideas for the future and, and competing you know, for the survival and who will dominate the future. And I like that that's all just been sort of let go of by the end of this. That I really appreciated. There's something about the, the tone of that, of humanity finding finding its way by letting go of a lot of its prior baggage essentially and, and attempting to break the cycle um that stuff is great that said i'm i'm still i'm still feeling mixed about some things i i i both really like the way kara's exit is executed Me too. um i think it's really beautifully shot um, but I'm not sure how much I like her being so utterly undefined and and i am right there with some of our listeners as far as the idea that I think any clear black and white answer you give to that would ultimately be fairly unsatisfying. At least to half um, the people. Right, right. I think some people wanted to, ah, she was an angel. She's the Archangel Michael. Got it. Cool. Done. And I'm like, ah, that wouldn't be satisfying to me. Um, but I also think, you know, where else, where else can she go? And I think even in that scene, she even comments on that. Of, I'm complete. My journey is complete. I'm done here. Um, there's a lot of moments like that in this episode where it feels like it is the show commenting on the trajectory of itself, that things are complete and it's time to just be released and let go. Ah, there's interesting meta thoughts here. Um, but damn, man, it is so, it's so big. Like that's something I, I don't think I really was ready for coming into it is that it's such a big grand ending that feels so much larger than all of our characters, it makes our characters feel kind of small in some ways. And I, like I said, I'm just kind of of two minds of it. I both really enjoy this. It's almost like the camera zooming out on civilization and realizing that this whole whatever God's plan or whatever just supernatural plan is behind all of this, that it's never fulfilled. It's never culminated and ended. It's just that these people have all been temporary players in these moments to push it forward. And then that, and the, the plan keeps going way beyond them, 150,000 years beyond them, um, that it's never ended. Boy, it makes them all feel very small. And that, that kind of makes me feel a little weird about it. Um, but at the same time, fuck, there's, there's just such good stuff here as far as the relationships having their send off. Yeah. I don't know. Let's just, we'll have to dig into it as we go. Sure. I'm feeling a little mixed, but overall satisfied with where the characters are. 
Got it. Yeah, and I don't think you're alone in the way you feel about this when it aired originally. I think it I think it definitely was mixed. And I think Ron Moore is on record to say he doesn't know to lots of these questions. Yeah. Yeah. Um I mean, he literally said, I have no idea what the bird represents, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so part of me when I when I hear somebody say that. And in, again, I didn't sit down and have a conversation with Ron Moore. I'm, I'm reading an interpretation of a conversation. So please, with a, with a grain of salt, understand my context here is not good. So I'm coming at it from a place that shouldn't be taken extremely seriously. But sometimes when writers say that, it does frustrate me um, to not know so many things. I don't know what Kara is. I don't know what the bird means. I don't know what this means. I, I'm not exactly sure of... I go, man, you should be though, right? But then I go, <laughs> but then I go right back to what I was saying a little bit earlier. I am I am I am of two minds as well for for the finale. I am also of two minds of of how I feel about the creative expression of this particular story and the grand nature of it. And it's on the one hand, I think it's important to allow people to interpret things. Because when you do, the conversation never really ends. Um, right. So it's fascinating that on on in, in the one sense you're saying, boy, it feels like this grand giant ending, and, and everything seems small, and we it just is you know everything is sort of concluded. But at the same time, it's also not in that never is there a record of definition of anything from Ron Moore himself. There's lots of interpretations. There's lots of you could say evidence laden within the storyline that could suggest a certain thing. And is it possible that Ron Moore is being coy and not answering the questions just because he wants to be coy and not answer the questions? Again, um, some of that frustration I had for George R. R. Martin at times. But <laughs> it, it's also, I also have to remind myself that, I mean, I don't, I don't like to get too cute with saying anybody owes me anything, especially somebody who's creating something that I'm choosing to consume. Uh, it's not like I go in, it's not like I, he becomes contractually obligated to me, the viewer to, to tell me or to guarantee anything. That's not the way creativity and art works. It's, right. it's just out there and you take it for what it is. He doesn't owe me an explanation or anything like that. Um, that said, I, I tend to, I, I tend to put this in more, specific terms, more, more concrete terms in, on my interpretation of it. And I think, I think Kara's death, um, I think Kara's death happened in season three. And I yeah. do think that she returned with a purpose and a purpose from beyond. If you want to call it an angel, sure. And I think, I think one of the things that Battlestar Galactica has always done such a great job of is making us go interesting how the gods are interpreted by the Cylons or God and how gods are interpreted by humans. Um, this is one of the fascinating concepts of Game of Thrones. You have the Northerners saying, talking about the old gods, and then you have some of the other ones talking about this one God of light. And the interpretation of things that happen in the world are seen differently depending on the viewpoint you have. And, uh, and I think... That's one of the cool that that so so that concept 
is largely at play here, which is why I do come around on the idea of going, well, you're not going to get a concrete answer as, as much as I want one and as much as I can assign one to me. The only thing I can do is give you what my interpretation of the ending is based on my POV, which I think is what makes pretty cool art, right? Yeah. You go look at a painting and you go, here's what I interpret and here's what I see. And, if, and, and the artist doesn't necessarily have to tell you what they interpret or what they saw. They might give it a name that gives you a clue, but somebody else might see it very differently. Somebody might see it beautifully or tragically. Somebody might find it uh, sensual and get aroused by it. Somebody may not. Um, and, I think that's, and I think that's really good art. And, you know, Battlestar Galactica is not a perfect show. And I do think there's a couple of moments in this episode where it is a little clunky, specifically around some flashbacks. Um, I felt like they were a little bit fillerish, especially for a finale. But, um, but generally speaking, I'm pretty goddamn happy with it. It's, I'm, not, I'm not over the moon, but I'm satisfied. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm satisfied. I, I think, I think Gaius, Head Gaius and Head Six, I think they've been explained enough to almost exist in a... They're almost like a narrator of a Shakespeare play at this point, at the end. <laughs> right, outside and, of time. Sure, sure. They're like omniscient, as it were. And then we have um, and then we have Starbuck. I, I think there's really no controversy for... I think everyone can agree that Rosalind's death was very fitting, beautiful, terribly sad, yeah. Um, yeah. and just really well done. I, I, I think you'll find universal appeal on that. I think it's the Starbuck stuff, and I think it's the... You know where, where's Lee? What? Wait, where's Lee going? Where? Where's Adama going? Why is he not coming back? I think I think there's a lot of questions like that. Um, but yeah, man, I I I'm pretty happy with it. I like there's something really heart wrenching about Lee and Kara, and and I think it's been shown throughout the whole series, which is why I think it's really awesome the way she kind of vanishes. I I, I really dig that and. And I say that because I feel like Kara is this amazing force of nature. Um, and, and I think that in, in being a force of nature, she's so hard to contain, to grasp. She's so hard mm-hmm. to hold for any length of time. And I think we've seen evidence of uh, people's inability to hold her the whole fucking series. Zach, Zach dies. She... She she's back and forth with Lee. She's back and forth with Anders, you know, and nobody can really get too close to her. Nobody can really get a hold of her for any length of time. Like sands, like sand through your fingertips is Kara Thrace, both magnificent and beautiful, yet impossible to contain. And I know that sounds really poetic and up my own ass, but I really mean that. And I think we've seen that this whole show is this our inability to sort of have Kara. And I don't mean that in the carnal way. I think you know what I mean by that. Um, yeah, but to have this like close connection to her, like that's just something that she's not, in, a, in one sense, I think even within the, the context of, of the universe of this show, she's not destined for that. Um, no. And that's, that's no. a big part of it. That like she's always seemed at least partly intangible to Lee. For sure. Um, and then when she dies and comes back, she's almost like completely intangible. Like as much as they still have an understanding of one each other, it and a, a care for one another, it stops there. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think that's that that final moment of them separating the way they do is is 
it's we've seen this over and over. Absolutely. Like yeah, it's it's a recurring theme with Starbuck. Starbuck just goes away. And um and in we see it we we see her go away to continue that uh, phrasing uh emotionally. We see her go away physically. We've seen uh, she's a ghost, man. I mean, she the, the, ask the Cylons. She's a ghost. When she was a cock, uh, in the cockpit and fighting, I almost said when she was a cockfighter. When she was in the cockpit in dogfighting, she was untouchable. She's she's this ephemeral stuff, and um, and and she and she sort of slides into lives and gives you a taste of her passion and her life, and and then she sort of slides away. And there's something. You know, there's it, it, she's like a forest spirit. It's very, it's beautiful. I don't know. I, I really, when she vanished, I was like, that's awesome. And that meant she <laughs> died back on earth and that her time has come and that's it. And Lee deciding in that moment what he was going to do and finding peace finally, like it or not, was almost that final cue and a fitting thing that he's the last person to see Kara. It couldn't have been anyone else. And I love Anders. I agree. And uh, and I do think uh, Ander's sacrifice is pretty interesting too. That's wild, but um, <laughs> but I I am I am very pleased with the Starbucks stuff overall. Yeah. Boy, sorry, yeah, like I was I said, going on my, off my, for a while there. My first my first watch, my knee jerk reaction to her just disappearing and being gone was kind of anger. Like I was so upset, but when I when I you know took time away from it and came back and watched mm-hmm. it again. What I realized is that it was just, it's just what I want for her character. You know, I want Kara to be happy. I want Lee to be happy. I want them to have this connection that is obviously there between them and just never been fully fulfilled and explored. Um, but when I, when I see the way she leaves and the way she's always left, I'm like, it did kind of leave me again with that thought of, well, of course, of course she would. Of course, of course, she, course she, you know, she is, she's done and she's gone and she fulfilled her purpose. And that's, that's the end of her. In, in the hidden genius of this, pardon, pardon the use of the word genius, is that the audience gets to feel what Lee felt, right? Yeah. When she yeah. just goes, you're like, "What the fuck?" For a second, but then, like, just like when she dances in and out of Lee's life, he's like, "Fuck," and then, and then he thinks about it. And he's like, "Well, that's her," and that's exactly what we're doing. It's pretty genius to, for Ron Moore to be like. You're gonna feel the way Kara feel the way the way everyone feels in her life, specifically Lee, because that's the focus on this final shot. The way she sort of dances in and out of life, in and out of time, in and out of death. Um, so many times she's she's been at certain death and not died, and and you know it's um, it, it's really I don't know I think there's something quite beautiful to to her ending, you know, um, and yeah I don't know I think. I think I like that. I think I like the way she just sort of is gone. Yeah. It makes you yeah. really feel the way Lee feels. And and I like how you're saying you're upset at your own happiness. You want her to be happy. You want him to be happy. And what's funny about this is in Battlestar Galactica, we've seen happiness and it's always fleeting, always. And I yeah, think what exactly. both of these characters find, which is maybe even stronger than happiness, is peace. Right. Now, that's a good way of putting it. That that that's really what this what Earth at this point even represents for sure peace. Yep, yeah, and uh, and and that's that's kind of how I've always thought about it. Um, and I just love I don't know I I love Kara Thrace. 
I think Katie Sackhoff is brilliant in this show. Um, I don't know a lot of her other stuff. I should probably get on that. But um, but I think she did a great job in the show overall. What a character. What an interesting character. What a powerful and awesome character. A character who would not allow herself to be shamed for her sexual proclivity. A powerful and strong female character without leading with the, hey, I'm a girl thing. She just led with the, I'm Starbuck. And we all kind of fall into line and love her and hate her. And um, and that makes her complicated. <laughs> her, yeah. yeah, it makes her complicated and, and beautiful all at the same time. And uh, and I think Starbuck is a is a is a isn't is a fucking I'm giving her I'm giving her an A. I have my I have our notes up from last week. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm happy, man. I'm I it's it's when I first saw it, I wasn't angry. I was I was gut I was heartbroken. You know, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I was like, God, I, I just, I could feel it coming. I remember saying, "She's gonna be gone. She's gonna <laughs> be gone." It was one of the yeah, very few predictions I got right in this show. I was like, "She's not gonna be there when he turns around." Um, <laughs> you know what? And I, I also want to say, um, I think Jackie, Jackie Hockey, brought up a good point about you know when she leaves, and we cut to another flashback of Lee. You know, the night he first met Kara and was his home drunk with the the pigeon in his house. Sure. We already kind of talked about how even Ron Moore doesn't know what the pigeon means. Sure. Uh, I think Jackie makes a good point about it. She says, I don't know about you, but uh, but it seems to me to represent Kara pretty succinctly. Sure. Lee is constantly chasing after her regardless of the damage that she leaves in their wake. And when he finally just relents, she's gone. I like um, it. I think, I think that's exactly it. I think it's... The ending of so many of of the character arcs we get in this episode is of people just relenting to what's always been. Yep, absolutely. And I think we we get Lee doing that here. Yeah, totally. Um, I love um, <laughs> Andrew's last words. I'll see you on the other side, which shows a very direct and conscious thought. True, yeah. which is cool. Like him going. That's what I like about it. Like Andrew's end is is interesting because he's been relegated to the tub for lack of better words. <laughs> I think he is okay with this mission, which is such an awesome mission to sort of say, burn your boats, right? Right. All of, all of the remnants of the civilization we've come from pretty much gone in that. This, this is also, you know, there's a lot of letting go in this episode and, and, you know, uh, Bilber has that great bit about, how all in, in one of his standups about all these complicated feelings about religion and how one day, like the uh, guys who play, uh, what the hell is that sport? Curling. Oh yeah. He said he, he just put all his shit, all his baggage for it and just slid it across the ice and stayed in the pose and just let it go. You know, <laughs> there's a lot of letting go in this episode. There's a lot of people letting and let go of Anders. Anders letting go of the imprisonment he's in. I mean, he can't do anything. He's, he's, he can't move. He can't, he can barely communicate, but he knows that he can be the one to sufficiently be this pivotal moment. The burning of, you know, this is the kind of thing you read about in the back of a Game of Thrones book where you're like, oh man, and then they burn their thing and it was this guy that did it and he sacrificed himself to do it. Although it might feel a little, it might feel a little bit um, anticlimactic when you view the way it's shot. I kind of wanted a little more of it. I, I wanted it to, you know, I it would have been just cool if we, I don't know, I wanted to see 
his face and him say jump or something or whatever. But but it's 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 cool. Like it's the kind of thing you read about in a lore book and you go, wow, that's wild. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. It does feel like the explanation of something that like that these civilizations, their 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 remnants on Earth. Fuck yeah, dude. Uh, we you know, we only get what we get because of his his fulfilling the purpose of destroying everything that led them here. Yeah. How else are you, do you know what a nightmare would be to try to get a fleet into a sun <laughs> without people on the ships? Um, and yeah, there's the letting go of the fleet. I mean, it's very, I got goosebumps when, when Adama decides to take a fucking, the last Raptor out, he flies around. This is cut with Sam discussing this idea of perfection. Um, these moments of, of, of real creation and it's interesting that he suffers as well as the fate oblivion for the sake of the creation of something new and the wonder of the mathematics of that, you know, the, the elation of action and reaction. I think his whole speech is very relevant. His action is to destroy the fleet. The reaction is we have now committed to this and yeah. we are going to live or die here, but we are going to let go of the past. We are going to let go of the war. Right. Right. It's beautiful, man. Old animosities. Yeah, that's that's the shit, right? Um, Ooh, you know so I yeah. want to go ahead. I want to read uh, Mr. Callum Banbury's comment here because he asks a question about some of that. Please do. Uh, but beforehand, he also says, Earth is a dream. I love how the prophecies come true in this episode. Carathrace led the human race in its current configuration to its end, bringing about a new hybrid human Cylon Earth human civilization. Interesting. The dying, the dying leader did bring people to Earth, even if it was Rosalind the prophecy referred to, if it was even her. Uh, I like the one theory that the dying leader is actually represented by Galactica, who would not live to enter the new land. I like There's it. a lot of cool symbolism in this episode, my favorite being the shattered colonial fleet sigil on uh, Galactica's dorsal armor as the <laughs> battle star orbits Earth. Reminds me of Matthew's discussion a few episodes ago about how losing Galactica represents for Adama the ending of the colonial military. Yep. Is it significant that he parts with Galactica before he parts with Rosalind? Um, on that question, really quick, um, yes. See, I, I think yes. you were saying it really well, Dean. Um, I think this is another moment of letting go. And for Adama, the military, the colonial fleet was there first. That is essentially his entire identity at the beginning of the show he's married to to the the fleet exactly like to the detriment of his own son like they don't really have much of a relationship because he has a relationship with being an officer in the fleet yeah um fleet took his wife fleet took his son it's everything yeah it's his whole world um and now this moment of having to send it off and to purposefully choose to step away from it he'll take the last ship he will set the, the mission parameters into <laughs> Anders' goo brain uh, and send them all away. This is like him severing his old identity to move forward with his new, honestly, I would say the new identity he has with Rosalind, even though it is so tragically short. Yeah. I like it, man. Um, and then he also does ask, Mr. Callum Banbury, what do folks think about the decision to abandon technology, or more specifically, how it was portrayed? Is there a better way they could have shown the population collectively deciding to lose their creature comforts would be preferable? Um, that's a great question. I think um, if I can jump at that one, I don't think the show is suggesting that they're, they've decided to be Luddites. I think it's one of those things where the soldier returns home from a war-torn country where all they saw is death and in and dismal destruction and oblivion and pointlessness. And now they're going, let me, let me hang the rifle up over the mantelpiece 
and let me involve myself with growing things. Let me involve myself with life. Um, I don't think they're, I don't think they're all their medical supplies and shit like that. What they talked about unloading supplies. I, I think, I think burning the ships is more of the metaphor than letting go of all of the technology. And they're, they have their hands full. Like, you know, it's still going to be hard to build something here, but, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, maybe I'm misreading that, but I, I took it more as that than I did. We're going to, we're going to just go dark ages here. Right. Right. And also, I mean, for me, I think the the show does it fairly well at that succinct point when Romo is actually saying, I'm surprised they all were willing to give this all up so easily. Uh, and Adama just replies, like, don't be, don't underestimate the power of getting a clean slate. There you go. Um, Tabula I rasa. That, I think that is a good way of saying it. And also just the sheer fact that everybody who's now on the new earth has been confined to either the dank, cold halls of ships for four years or a brief respite on a rocky, hard, tough-to-live planet where they were oppressed by silence the entire time. Once you land on this planet that actually is is habitable with sunshine and grass, I think people, it wouldn't be too big of a stretch for them to say, yeah, I'm okay with never going back to that ship. Yeah, absolutely. I can buy that. Tommy uh, T-Dog says, I always thought the decision to abandon tech was rather short-sighted. While I understand Lee's thought process regarding giving humanity a clean slate, he, for one, he or no one, for that matter, has any idea of what might occur in the future, and for that alone, one must always be prepared as they can. Also, my first viewing, it made me think of Star Trek's prime directive. That said, I guess it works, thematically speaking. Um, I don't know if you recall the prime directive, but it basically just states that you cannot interfere with a non-spacefaring technology's development. Um at all, at all, to be honest with you. Um, well, they're still breaking the prime directive, hanging out with their tarp tents. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think, I think he's saying we want to, we don't want to come here and be gods, I think is, is more right. to T dog's point. But, um, yeah, I don't, I know may, maybe I'm glossing over the abandoning tech talk. I just, I took it kind of almost metaphorical, like we live on a ship with all this great running water and all this amazing shit and everything at our fingertips. Even though they went through supply shortages and crises at times, um, I do think that they still have plenty of supplies that are going to help them jumpstart their first community. They're not going to fashion stone tools and, and shit like that. I think, I think the point of destroying the, the colonial fleet and, and some of the observations made about the colonial fleet insignia breaking up was the larger point. Yeah. Yeah. That we are moving away from our past. Yeah, absolutely. Again, letting go. Yeah. So much about that in this, in this episode, it's like letting go of all prior ties to civilization. Sure. Sure. Um, shall we dive into some more listener comments as we go here? Yeah, do you got somebody you want to pull up? Yeah, I'm going to go right down the list so I can stay like on track with who I'm talking about. I don't want to miss people. So mm-hmm. you did Callum Banbury. Just remember who you do, okay? Mm-hmm. Quickly, Scott Cummings says, I got goosebumps. But um, Danny Mertz, so here we are, my favorite series from LA. I can't wait to hear you guys discuss that. All of this was like 50,000 years ago. Maybe it was because I had seen the original series on Galactic 1980 to get Earth in modern day that even they found Earth nuked. I never even thought it this was all a prequel to our own history. It, it's, it hangs together so well, explains why we have a missing link, etc. I thought it was incredibly elegant and in a sci-fi way believable. Now, I'm not a religion guy, but Kara just disappearing because she really was dead 
and was an angel sent by God to help humans and Cylon find the world they should live on works for me, just as the fact that head guys and head six were real and angels moving along the plan all the way. If you go back and watch, you can see head six physically holding up guys and moving him or smashing him into a mirror. The whole concept just hangs together, making so much sense. One thing I don't know if you notice, but the very last shot is angel his words, Baltar and Six in modern day New York talking about how we were going to do it again and some crude robot, etc. But what we might not have noticed is when they speak of the body found in the Alps, the way she is half human Cylon and her parents are laying under the ice near her, it's Hera, and that means our man Hilo, <laughs> that from episode one getting stranded on Caprica with radiation and hunting Cylons to all the pain and getting screwed. Jesus, where's your punctuation? <laughs> and hunting silence to all the pain and getting screwed the whole series dies on an ice-covered mountain with his family. This kills me, but at the very same time, it's a kind of kick to the head and feels in small, easily misdetailed that I love this show for. Thoughts on that? Uh, I guess what he's suggesting is that if Hera isn't that old, then we can assume that they all suffered a early death. <laughs> well, that she's also not mitochondrial Eve, as some people have been saying, if she uh, didn't live long enough to have any kids of her own. Yeah, did did they describe that? Um, all they really say in that young moment, is so relative to say young, <laughs> right? Yeah, I don't even don't know. Especially what exactly back in the day, they were shitting kids out of like thirteen, fourteen. This is true, but no, they they describe you know that oh that she was found and her Cylon mother and human father were laying in the ice nearby. Um, but they even in the show say, oh, yes, that she's been the speculators of the possible mitochondrial Eve for all of the DNA, human DNA on Earth. But I was like, that's a little confusing because she, wouldn't she have had to have kids? But I, I, I don't know. Um, as far as Hilo dying there with Athena and, and Hera, as fucking sad as that is, I do also like that it mirrors in a slightly happier way sure. his, his being deserted and stranded so much before that at least now he... He had his wife, his lover, and his child that they fought so hard for there together. He didn't die alone, which right. I was always so afraid for, for Hilo, for many seasons. Yeah, mission accomplished for Hilo and his family. I don't feel, I mean, I don't feel bad for him. They were going to die eventually, obviously. But I think, um, I don't know, I, I mean, it's speculative how old Hera was when they died. And make and, and, and the byproduct of that is, I don't know how old Athena or Hilo were when they died. And the fact that they were found under ice could just mean there was an ice age after the fact. But um, how they died will always remain a mystery, of course. But the fact that they were all relatively in close proximity, I think, is a good thing. Um, unless they were speared to death by locals, that would kind of suck. But um, <laughs> my guess is he'll kept that pistol handy. So, um, yeah, I like it. I like that. He, I liked that he was with them, you know? Right, exactly. Even people with families don't always have the, the luxury of dying with somebody, you know? So, yeah, that's a good a thing. Ooh, let's bop over to uh, Mr. Marcus Reyes. Got a little bit of a longer comment, but uh, he says, Skulls got his skull crushed. He had a skull-crushing finale, you might say. Who? I don't, I don't know what that reference is. Skulls? Other people seem to get it. S- say, read it again, I'm sorry. Skulls got his skull crushed. He had a skull crushing finale, you might say. Uh, I don't know. I don't know who that is, Marcus. <laughs> I don't get your Skulls. reference. Skulls. Uh. 
But um, but no, he goes on to say, I'm glad Galactica wasn't lost or had to be abandoned or exploded or anything like that. She just broke her back. She's in rough shape and she'll never be a true battle star again. But she truly did her duty and kept everyone safe and got everyone home. Which leads me to Laura. Like her or not, agreed with her decisions or not, I don't think it can be denied that Laura's entire motivations were driven by the desire to get the survivors of her species to a place to call home. Yes. The prophecy of the dying leader said she would achieve that goal, but wouldn't live to see it herself. However, this is where I feel that the prophecy got it wrong. Laura does get to see it. She does uh, get to know that everyone will be okay and that they found their home. So much life, she says, and then she dies. The significance of this cannot be overlooked. She dies knowing everyone will live on. Uh, so I really want to talk about why I personally think this season gets a bad rap. All season long, Dean and Matt have said that they were waiting for the season to get bad, and it never really did. I think Indeed. this is all tied to the reveal or lack thereof of Kara's true nature. I think the ambiguity left a sour taste in people's mouths at the time, and the dislike of that ambiguity is conflated as being bad, so the finale is conflated with being bad, so the season itself gets conflated with being bad. However, I've personally always liked this season, I've always loved the finale, and I've always enjoyed the lack of answers we get for Kara. The ambiguity works incredibly well for me because this show always felt far more interested in its characters rather than its mysteries. That's what drew me to it. Never mind that I don't think any answer given about her would have been truly satisfying. That's the hundred percent true. <laughs> no, no season finale is universally lauded. You know, right? Very rarely. Maybe, um, ba- maybe Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, I remember Sopranos got everybody pissed off. <laughs> yeah, and then and now people are like, oh, I like it now. But like the people have one eighty on that too. Exactly. <laughs> um, his final point: He says, looking at the scene itself, it's focused on Kara and Lee, and mostly on Lee. We're seeing this play out through his eyes, and what do we know about him? Would he spend time wondering about Kara's true nature, what she was, where she came from, what she means, or would he just be sad that his friend was gone? Well, we know the answer. He said it a few episodes ago. I don't care. We knew it from episode one of this season when he asked Bill if it would matter at all if it were Zack who stepped out of that viper. If that meant Zack were a Cylon and always had been, would they care, or would they just be happy that he was alive again? The situation with Kara is no different. Lee wouldn't care uh, about all that mystery. He would just be sad that his friend was gone. That's good enough for him, and that's good enough for me. Amen, brother. I agree with you, Mr. Marcus. Um, also, yeah, to, to add a little note onto the scene about Laura, I think that is truly my favorite aspect of her closing scenes is her in the ship watching all Ugh. of the birds, seeing all of the life, and just saying awesome. so much life. Yeah. that uh, It's beautiful. That is such a great moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about Laura a little bit um, because I think it's perfect. Um, I yeah. like the idea of the prophecy not... That, that's the thing about prophecy. Again, the, the, the theme of this podcast episode is interpretation, and we can boil it right down to the prophecy in question. Um, the fact that she did live to see what is, as we know, because of the end of the episode, we do know that this is where they were supposed to find and that she did get to see it and, and in a sense break that sort of break that cycle a little bit. And it's hardly surprising, you know, her and Bill sitting there, him carrying her, the Raptor is just heartbreaking and beautiful all at the same time. Um, but yeah, that Raptor flyover was perfect. And, um, you know, the Rosalind theme, which started to become a big part of the show. Um, and of course, you know, her sort of quiet death after getting a chance to see what she was going to see. And um, I think it just makes total sense to me. We've talked a lot about Rosalind. Um, uh, I think Rosalind has always been 
Rosalind's when 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 she became the forty somethingth in line of succession to be president, in those moments it was etched in stone. And even before then, as we see in the flashbacks, I guess uh, we knew that this was going to be. You know, when she when she leaves bed with that guy, she's basically saying, "No, I I kind of don't want a life of frivolity. Let me focus." Which is right. a little weird because I've never thought of her as a frivolous type, but that seems more like a kerosene to me. But it still works for me for what they're trying to say. Um, but right, but but Rosalind in general has always been somebody who is uh, she's been complicated. The thing I like about Rosalind is I don't always agree with Rosalind, um, but I do admire her strength. Um, I yeah. think her greatest characteristic. T- characteristic is strength and i don't mean physical strength although that's nothing nothing to sneeze at um just her ability to be think about her journey for just a minute rosalind comes from she's a school teacher you're a school teacher (laughs) who works we've seen incredible growth as a school teacher from where she was to how she how she had to learn about the culture of the colonial military and not just peacetime colonial military, wartime colonial military, how to communicate with these people, how to form relationships and build trust. And, and, and she did make mistakes. And that's one of the things I do like about her from a writing standpoint is she would sometimes contradict herself. Um, and that made her interesting to me at times. And sometimes I was infuriated with her. And I think that's going to be a common theme. I said the same things about Starbuck that I'm going to say about Rosalind. And, um, and I think that's what makes them good characters. And I think she had a nice fitting end. It was touching when Bill put his wedding ring on her finger. And, um, and you know, he's, he's in the raptor. And she just sort of dies in the raptor with him, just the two of them. And, um, yeah, she gets to, she gets to witness what she is responsible for. She's responsible for this. And not yeah. alone, not alone, but together. They all are. Her death warrant was signed a while ago. And, uh, and she, she pushed on and made it to where she needed to make it as an example, as a leader would be for these people to follow her. Um, right. And I think of, of any character... I mean, we've we've watched every character pretty much uh, break down at times and and really fall far shorter of you know what we know they're capable of, and then you know claw their way back. But I think I think Rosalind, her breakdown came so late in the series. You know, the, the sure. devastation of what the initial Earth was <clears throat> just really destroyed her, and it came so late that it really made me wonder: Is she ever going to fully pull herself back together before she she dies? But what I what I love about that is that she maintained her integrity arguably longer than anyone else. She she didn't falter for the longest time, um, and then finally Earth was kind of what pushed her over the edge. And once that Earth was was no longer a possibility, no longer an option, like we were saying a couple episodes ago, her purpose became centered around Hera and the 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 prolonging of life and, and continuing you know the species. Um, and so I think watching her find purpose again through Hera uh, and finding a new place for everyone to call home that this could be, this could be the place where everyone is finally, at least like we were saying, not happy, but at peace, safe um, away from all of the prior conflicts and everything that, that put them where they were. She found it. Um, And just to, just to see her at least have that final bit of strength 
to hold herself together and confirm that her essentially her mission is complete. Yeah, yeah. That's that's so fucking satisfying. Totally. Awesome. Um, Brian Campbell asks, when Adama takes it off with Ross for a final flight, he says goodbye to Lee. Starbuck, knowing she'll also be dancing off in a sky like Connor McLeod at the end of Highlander 2 Quickening, tells Lee um, that Adama won't be back. Why not? Why the fuck not, he says. Is he going to live in isolation? Does he not want to see Lee again? Yeah, what, what are, he was asking about that. What are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I think this is one of those times where I think if you step into the purely like practical perspective of like, well, how much, how many supplies do they have? How long, how can they last? Like, where's their shelter going to be? How many people can actually, you know, make enough, uh, agriculture to sustain them? I'm like, yeah, it all kind of falls apart. I think when you, when you go from that perspective, I, you really have to look at this episode as I think a larger metaphor. Um, yeah, almost because that doesn't work for me that's like my, my i don't understand why you would say what's that mean you guys you guys are going to be pretty close together that's you know what i mean so but yeah 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 no and I, and I think i think we almost have to look at it this is this is part of the stuff that i'm still trying to like sort out in my head of like how to look at this episode how to think of these characters because <clears throat> there's a part of me that these final episodes have almost pulled away a little bit of I know it sounds weird to say, but a little bit of like the individuality of these characters and made them almost into archetypes because they are now on earth and the progenitors of everything that's going to come after them, uh, that they almost seem like they have to separate because they are dispersing what will become modern humanity via themselves. Um, and it's like, they're not so worried about their interpersonal relationships anymore that they have their own like, strange new duties to fulfill of just existing on this planet and and i i know i'm like i feel like i'm all over the place i know here, what but you're like, saying i know what you're saying yeah like i think i think even galen is a good example of this that like the the kind of wink that he goes off to scotland uh, by himself that he is it's almost like that culture that world that we know of that is going springs to springs up around him springs up around him sure. that, that, that these that the people have become less their individual characters in these moments and that they almost should be seen as like the seeds of the future yeah it it's it, weird but <laughs> yeah no i know what you're saying it's almost like they went full nolan and they all became sort of the personifications of of god and they're all sort of spreading out across the world Right, and of like of points of view and of culture, uh, their their personalities become these things that that get broadened into whole societies. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's not a terrible explanation, um, to be honest with you. But but um, but it is still a bit like, God, what are we doing? Why are we saying this? <laughs> like, you're not going to go see your daddy? Why do you have now? to? Yeah, at all ever, especially for such a character driven show. I'd, I'd rather the characters not sort of devolve or evolve depending on your point of view into something larger than from a metaphorical standpoint uh like so I, yes right exactly yeah, yeah. This, this i feel like this is what i've been struggling with where i'm like i both like the metaphor that it's kind of pointing at this idea of they are the seeds of the future and that they are that they are going to to kind of disperse like that um but also at the same time yeah it is so character focused and i'm like i i don't know i i care so individually about them that I almost want more individual answers. Here's, here's kind of what I think, if I may throw the show a bone. I think it's more about the person you know as Adama you will not, is not coming back. I think they're all irrevocably changed from these experiences and that they will they are no longer, they, they, are, they are sort of changing, maybe less in a grand scale and just more of a, 
you know, I'm not going to be, you won't recognize me when I come home from college type of bullshit. (laughs) That kind of stuff, you know, maybe a little lower, maybe smaller scale. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I'm just like, we, we are not who we were anymore. Yeah. We burned the fleet. We've, we've, we've surrendered our weapons, so to speak, metaphorically anyway. And we have, um, we've embarked on a new life on this planet. And, um, yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what? I, I want to think, uh, I think it's a good time to bring in Miss Jackie Hockey. Uh, she left a good comment. Um, and this kind of brings us to the, the final scene, which we haven't talked about yet. Uh, I have so many mixed emotions about this finale. I was in high school when this aired and remember being simultaneously angry and, as most wanky teenagers do, convinced I'd just watched the most profound thing I'd ever seen on television. I came back to it many years later to make my partner watch it, and he was able to articulate what I hadn't been able to before. What the actual fuck? They just undercut the entire thesis of the show and reduced it to robots bad. More than anything, it's that last sequence that leaves a bad taste. Uh, of my, so my viewing of the series always ends with Adama up on the ridge taking, talking to Laura about the sunrise. As far as I'm concerned, a much more poignant conclusion to humanity's epic desperate struggle across the stars without losing sight of what it means to be worthy to survive. Um, and then on her, her last note on that, because I'm a live and die Roslyn apologist and terribly biased, nothing will ever be sadder or more touching than Bill taking Laura up in the Raptor to show her the home they worked so hard to find. She was so happy, even though she could hardly raise her hand to wave goodbye to Lee and Kara because her job was done. They finally got to the moment they had waited for, and she just slips away listening to the quiet, wholesome future they could have together with Bill's ring on her finger. There isn't exactly much competition, but Laura Roslin definitely had the most beautiful death in Battlestar. There you go. I fully agree with that. Um, should we talk a little bit about the uh, the the, sure. the actual kind of like epilogue scene <laughs> where we move on from Earth 150,000 years ago to the modern day? Absolutely. Let's kick it off, baby. Oh boy. I this is another scene where I'm like I don't know if it works for me completely. Um I am I'm very much okay with with head Gaius and head 6 being these sort of angelic presences that, that they are actually supernatural and that they have always been there, that they, that they, I think are, I kind of, if I have to speculate, and I think it was T dog who actually asked a question of like, what do you guys think they are? It's driving me crazy. Um, I see them, I guess the only way to say it is as like a guardian angel that they come yeah. in at times, you know, and I think it's, it's tough to think about just because of the sh- watching the show and thinking about oh, God's plan, God's plan. This is all God's plan. You, it makes you think that okay, God's plan was written around them, and it's to push to put them into some you know, get them to Earth or push them to some place, and that's the completion of God's plan. And I like the reminder. What I do like about the scene is that God's plan is is unending; it is an eternal thing. It's almost like the guardian angels step in at times to touch or like anoint individuals and say, "You now have a role. You have a temporary role in an eternal plan, and I'm going to help you along with that." And once your role within it is fulfilled, then we're, we're done with you. We don't need to bother you anymore. And that's really it. That I all really like. All the stuff at the, the final scene, though, it was, you know, the robots in the future and the, the kind of like winking idea of, well, is it all going to happen again? Six doesn't think so. She's more optimistic. Head Gaius thinks that it could I don't know. I, I feel like it was somewhat unnecessary. I almost feel like we could have had a little bit longer of a conversation between, you know, the, the angel and, and angel Gaius and angel six and the real Gaius and six uh, in talking on these themes that we didn't need like a, an epilogue of it. 
I don't know. How do you feel about it? Because it feel mm. it feel, it's so outside of the rest of the show. Um, to be perfectly frank, I think it's utterly unnecessary. From yeah. from the from the hundred fifty thousand years forward, I don't think it's necessary. Um, I think I think the reason this epilogue exists is because they had to define some significance for Hera. Um, and I think you could have done that without this sort of cute angelic narration. Um, I, I think this is the show overstepping a touch. Um, and sadly on the final scene, by the way, that's Ron Moore (laughs) looking at the, uh, yep. (laughs) Um, I think you, you, you probably could have, you probably could have done this a little more subtly, I think. I think you could have done this by showing some sort of group of kids at a fucking museum and they are talking about, you know, the, the, you know, this half, this human half, whatever Cylon woman was found and, and blah, blah, blah. And this is some sort of origin thing. And if you want to get cute and, you know, guys and six are standing off in the corner and say nothing cool. I don't think you need all of this dialogue. I think it doesn't do anything for the show. Um, it doesn't yeah. need to be discussed. Um, I think Head Six and Head Gaius were cool for what they did, and we don't need to push too much on that shit. Um, we, I was totally fine with Gaius and Six ending up together. That seemed perfectly sensible to me. Um, and, and, and Gaius sort of already had his moment last week or the week before when, when yeah, he was there, that was right? Last. That was a big moment for him, him standing behind, him overcoming his fear and doing something truly selfless. His, his story kind of ended in that moment. I don't think we needed to see characters, especially, quote, angel characters, guardian angel characters, characters that are not, that are not physically manifest. We don't need to see them and their take on stuff and we definitely don't need the cute winking bullshit this is this is i think sort of stepping over the bounds yeah just of of what is the show you know um i don't i I mostly agree you know what i mean i think i think what we could do i mean even the slow even the slow-mo shot at the end them walking arm in arm through the crowd of people and you playing hendrix you could do that uh, but but a lot of the discussion and this and oh and will it happen again and oh all these planets I feel like the show was concerned we weren't going to understand it thematically and started to sort of slap us in the face with stuff that wasn't necessary. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I nah, think. See, remember we're making robots too. Yeah, we don't need any of that. I think I think you could have. I think I think you could have storyboarded this better to to show the significance of Hera in her discovery being linked to humanity as a whole and the importance of her becomes evident there to people like, Whoa, she's considered mitochondrial Eve or some shit. I think it, I think you could fix that and make it a little bit less sloppy to be frank. I don't even think we needed to hear that her parents were found dead too. I'm, I'm starting. I'm, I'm, of, I'm of the opinion as I think about a way to make this last scene better. If we just go, Oh, they found, we, we don't need to know, like they're all going to die. Okay. Bill Dom is dead. Okay. <laughs> We don't need to know how he died and that he was found. We don't need to know that for her, uh, for, for, for Athena. We definitely don't need it for Hilo. We know that they walk off and they fucking made it. They won. That's all you need to know. And then if yeah. you want to say, here's, here's Hera 
and her significance relating to the species as a whole and the origin of us as people, that's really fucking cool. And you can do it a lot more subtly. You can do it a lot more subtly, I think. Even if it's just a a fucking excavation team finding something that shows us something. I mean, get get fucking six guys in a room and a whiteboard and you're going to figure out a better, I think, ending scene than this. (laughs) You know, I think me, you, and three other guys probably could. And I know that's easy for me to say at this point in the series, but... um. But yeah, I, I don't, it's a bit, it doesn't, doesn't work for me, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's a little sloppy. Just a bit too cute. Yes. Better, a better way to call it is cute. Yeah. <clears throat> I, yeah. I think that's, that's my main issue is that it just feels a little too cute. And I'm, I'm mostly with. Especially uh, a after lot of such our- a significant moment with Starbuck and Rosalind, like, like she's saying, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mostly agree with our listeners that I think the show ends there with uh with Rosalind's death and with uh you know Adama on the hill. Yeah, like, just sitting by her like grave the, a fucking helicopter shot, right? Right. The that waves like crashing the right on the water and let's just go. That's fine. We get it. You made it, you got there. She died, Kara died. Uh I love the idea of of Helen and Ty sort of existing in this almost uh, they're almost like brevity in this episode, right? And I like that. I like that we get to see him in this cycle forever with her. Like that makes sense to me. I didn't need to see any oh, more than yeah. that. Um, I, I, I love the scene with Ellen and Ty. I'd, seeing them back at the strip club again, even just them together, their, their heads on each other's shoulders and then walking off together in the sunset. God, that's, they Absolutely. might be my favorite happy ending. Honestly. They're fucking awesome. And you know, I, I don't love the Lee going away thing either. I do like the chief going away thing. The chief is is has got a lot of bagged with all the shit that happened. I could see him just being like, I'm gonna take a walk. I'm gonna fucking quietly cane the shit and walk the earth. That is such a fucking tearful move to me. Keep Lee no, there totally. with his with, around his dad and you know, and, and, and getting to have this father son relationship that they never really did. That would have been rewarding. Um, instead of like, we're all gonna walk to all four corners of the earth, you know, like little things like that. But but sometimes the larger things that piss people off didn't mean like the Starbucks thing. I, I I think is beautiful. I love it. But those tiny little things, I think, is what keeps it from being, as far as I can tell, a perfect finale. Yeah, yeah. Shit, we didn't even talk about uh, <laughs> the the explosive first five minutes of this yeah. episode where everything goes to absolute shit uh, in a handbasket, which completely blew me away. Um, I mean, the revelation of. Tori killing Callie Oof. finally comes back. Uh, and the way T-Dog said it, Tyrrell choking out Tori was some Old Testament type of justice, Fuck if you yeah. ask me. An eye for an eye meets no breathing for the both of yous, Callie and Tori. That's some fucking, that's some Medea shit. Oh boy. His eyes, when he <sighs> pulls his hands out of the goo and just goes straight for her. I mean, oh, with fuck. that Cylon strength that I'm sure fucking went into overdrive. <laughs> it snaps her neck, I'm pretty fucking sure. And that's why I see a guy like him walking away. Like, hey, I murdered somebody. <laughs> With my bare hands. Like, reasons aside, I still did it. And it's still like, you still murdered somebody. And, you know, it's going to be <laughs> weird for the people who are like, watch you strangle a woman to death. It's going to be weird for them. And I could see him just saying, I'm going to take a hike. I'm done. Like, that's cool. Out. Like, that makes more sense than Lee being like, oh, I'm going to leave now. You know, no, what are you talking about? Go, go, <laughs> go have a relationship with your dad that you never got to have on the ship. I mean, they did in ways that will that will never be matched by regular father and sons. But, you know, it would have been, I, I don't see him going anywhere, or Dama for that matter, leaving the whole thing behind. I, I don't know. I can see him having his moments sitting out on the hill and stuff, but um, let's talk about Cavill. 
Oh, it's some good shit. <laughs> <laughs> some great shit. <laughs> I Absolutely. was curious as to what you were going to think of this. Oh my God. Completely blew me away. <laughs> I had yeah. no idea. That, I mean, this Such is... Such a cavil move. It's, it is. And also, this whole sequence going so fucking sideways is so Battlestar Galactica to me that everything you were led to believe about all of this just changes on a dime. It's over. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I really, last week, man, I mean, you heard me. I mean, I genuinely thought, okay, well, like, maybe we really do get shots in the next episode of of Cylon ships and human ships arriving somewhere together or, sure. you know, around some kind of table to decide things together. Like, all right, we're, there's some level of unity that's going to happen. And nope, that absolutely just exploded. <laughs> uh, all from Galen finding out that Tori was a murderous, <sighs> treacherous bitch. And, I like yeah, that. Yeah, dude. Sins Cavill, return to haunt us, don't they? Indeed. Indeed. And dude, Cavill blowing his brains out was perfect to me. It was fucking perfect. Um, and evidently, it was actually Stockwell, Dean Stockwell, who called up Ron and had gave him that idea because he was like, evidently in the original script, it was that he was going to go up to the final five and an argument was going to break out and then it was going to be Ty who like throws him over the edge and breaks his neck or something. And I love just... Cavill at this point just realizing the futility of it all like it's just it's over it's done they're all shooting at each other now there's no turning this back around the call and he's falling apart right, right. falling apart frack <laughs> done I just <laughs> love the idea I, I love the idea and I guess it was confirmed by by you know you said this is kicked this is kicked off with with uh Tyrrell so I'm gonna back it up a little and then we'll get to Cavill but the idea I guess um I guess Aaron Douglas was like oh can we mention the Highlands he it was his idea and then oh, Ron cool. Moore confirmed, like, yeah, it, it's an implication that Tyrrell is the founder of Scotland, right? <laughs> it's kind of cool. I love that. But I just like the idea of Tyrrell being like, like the father of Scotland started by murdering the treacherous cunt of a wife. You know, like, <laughs> choking her out. Choking out the killer of my wife. It's a country built on revenge and justice, right? It's like, what the <laughs> fuck? I love that he strangles a woman and finds Scotland. Could it be more Scottish? <laughs> <laughs> Fiery passion. Fiery passion. I strangled her and then I found you. It's great. It's good shit. <laughs> if you fight with me, you get to kill the English. <laughs> Fuck, man. That's fucking cool. Love it. I fucking love it. Aaron Douglas Actually, looks like he'd be related to Robert the Bruce or something, right? Oh, I could totally see that. Him on horseback with a fucking mace. <laughs> just doving oh, in the heads of uh, treacherous people everywhere <laughs> I like T-Dog's uh, point about Cavill here too he says while John Cavill uh, decided to pull an eight off was rather anticlimactic to me it totally fit his character there was no way he was going to let himself be killed or taken prisoner <laughs> by the humans or the final four I just find it ironic that the first shot he fired in this entire conflict he inflicted upon himself right on dog That's a good point <laughs> Nice. I'm glad you're handling a bunch of those bottom ones. All right. Um, I like. Ca I think Cavill's end makes sense. I think he knew at that point it was over, and Spite demanded he take his own life. Exactly. That's Cavill. Exactly. That's, That's who Cavill. He is. Yep. <clears throat> He's not going to give them the pleasure <laughs> interrogating him or arresting him. No, no fucking way. Um, so Brian Locklear has two significantly large comments. Um, oh, indeed. Yeah. Brian left us a book. So one is more about the episode. One is more personal in nature, which I'll talk about now. I'll start with Battlestar Galactica as a whole. I was six years old when the original show aired. I was a huge fan of all sci-fi. BST78 was reason for living. 
Many years later, when I heard about the reboot, I was not enthusiastic and assumed it would suck. All I knew was that the big reveal is that Silence look like humans. Great. Another cheesy sci-fi channel production. They're even cheaping out on costumes if we don't have centurions. So I ignored it. <laughs> a couple of years in, I happened to catch an episode and began to consider that I might have been wrong. It just so happened my wife was traveling for several weeks and I had time to kill, so I got the miniseries from Netflix. What an eye-opener. I had to admit that it was an improvement over the original in nearly every way. As soon as she returned, I said, Honey... You have to see this. She isn't typically a science fiction fan, but I know she preaches good storytelling. I was right. BSG became our mutual obsession, and we stayed up late nights trying to catch up on the broadcast. In fact, we had to make a cross-country move that coincided with the series finale, so I called hotels along en route to make sure they had sci-fi. Wow, that's cool. I have to admit, I was one of those haters who thought season four was weak. Maybe it's age, and maybe I've maybe it's age, and maybe I've been influenced by Dean and Matthew. But my opinions changed completely, though. I still have my critiques. I actually think the finale is really satisfying and and, and the writers did a remarkable job bringing the story together. More and ache, ache, have been very open about the final five being a latter development, not knowing Ellen would be one of them, even about not knowing what the silence plan was. In fact, the plan was just an idea that sounded cool and mysterious. Honestly, I think more decided to end the show because it was losing its way. I needed to end, it needed to end while it was still good. If so, that was a wise choice. I hate to see a show get run into the ground as a studio tries to milk more money. I don't know if the creators intended BST to be at least in part an examination of the question of how humans and AI will succeed or fail to live together. If so, I don't think they have a, they did a very good job. What are skin jobs anyway? As they are originally presented, they are machines that mimic humans with high fidelity. Their spines light up when they're turned on. That they can upload their consciousness into another body when they die. They possess greater strength and faster reflexes than humans, as we see in Kara's fight with the Six in interrogation of Leoben. On the other hand, they are obviously partially organic. They eat, drink, and presumably shit and piss. And one number A became pregnant somehow. As the show progresses, the number of silence become indistinguishable from humans. You would think, with the technology of civilization that can travel faster than light, Doc Otto would just CT scan them or whatever, or find the Wi-Fi card. Congratulations, you're silent. It could have been more believable if we're told that the Silence have some kind of personal cloaking device to conceal their synthetic parts, but we don't get that. So without resurrecting technology, the Silence are not just mimicking humans, they really are just humans. What's the difference? For better examination of the future relationship between them, um, what is the difference? I think that's p- the point of the show, that there isn't one. Right. Right. I right. agree. Um, and then his other points continue. I think the three-part conclusion works better as two-and-a-half-hour movie rather than three eps. This ep has its dramatic climax at the beginning, practically under the credits, and then it's 45 minutes of emotional resolution. To some beats from the first few minutes, Cavill just blows his brains out. Classic Galactic is barely holding together after the jump. Seeing her twist and flex into the strain was a visceral experience. It was hard not to think she was trying to hold herself together. Yeah, I agree. Admiral Adama tells Gaius, you got a one-trick mind, Doc. One-track mind. Hilarious. And then he's talking about joking. Starbuck, Kara's goodbye to Anders was an incredible moment. I don't think Katie Sackhoff was even acting. That Yeah, that's a good point. That felt very real. And then the final scene with Lee, Starbuck just vanishes and fans spend the next 10 years debating what she really is. On the rewatch, I see that that's, that it's no mystery. Apparently, she's a pigeon. <laughs> Seriously, I love that we don't know what she is. I don't think that writers knew what she was, and if they do, I hope they never tell us. Really, the only one who knows what Kara is is Anders. He'll see her on the other side. Hell yeah, bro. Chief, poor bastard. The scene was missing from sci-fi stay-at-home-a-thon. Just kidding. Which is how <laughs> I finished the rewatch, but I remember there being a scene where Chief says he's going off to live on some uninhabited island. He exiles himself, says he's sick of people, humans, silence, everyone. He's going to die alone, but he's not the only one. More. 
We can debate this, but my interpretation is that all the colonials and all the silence die off pretty quickly. Lee says no city, not this time. They're living all off the technology and weapons behind. Realistically, if the natives decide they don't like them, they're going to kill the newcomers at will. They have no immunity to the local disease and no way to manufacture drugs or antibiotics. No way to perform surgery. Oh, and by the way, there are lions. We're led to believe that Hera is a mitochondrial Eve, so all modern humans are descended from her and all other bloodlines, Colonial and Salon, died out. Hera joined the natives one or the other. I'm sorry, but things got pretty grim for everyone after the honeymoon was over. Um, I think they are still an apt military fighting force and will kill people with spears pretty easily since they didn't abandon all their technology. So I don't know if I agree with your interpretation of six, but I do agree that life there is going to be a lot harder than they think. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Yeah. Seven. Jesus Christ, dude. Gaius and six last meeting with head Gaius and head six. God's plan never complete. Gaius says, great. Hilarious. Apparently an early version of the script would have had Gaius finally getting his comeuppance for his role in destruction of the colonies. I'm really glad it didn't go that way. As we learned that his feelings for six are deeper than we have shown. That's a good point. And he did what he did, not for pussy, but for love and pussy. He made the biggest mistake in the history of mistakes, but he didn't do it out of malice, and his move wasn't entirely selfish. His final line was six, you know I know about farming. Brought tears to my eyes. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Fuck yeah. He's got more, but I think think we've said enough for for Brian, and thank you very much for all of your um, for all of your contributions, dude. I appreciate it. Um, Yeah. And he does thank us. You know, I have to say something about the podcast. I was there the first step. This podcast got me through a lot of commutes and traffic jams with plenty of laughs and thoughtful moments from the lads and my fellow listeners. But now it's over. I can see that the podcast has been so much more. Without bringing up specifics from my own personal life, I think it's safe to say that all of us have been through a lot. These last few years, relationships have begun or ended. Children have been born. Loved ones have died. Political arguments, natural disasters, pandemics. Some folks have only just recently joined us, and I would bet that there are even some early listeners who were unable to complete their journey with us. Oof. I really feel like we have been part of something traveling through the event in our lives in parallel with the Colonial Fleet. I don't know if I'll ever have an experience quite like this with a bunch of complete strangers, but I just want to thank Dan, uh, Dean and Matthew. Um, thank oh. you very much, Brian. So say we all, sir. You're a good, you're a good shit. Thank you, Brian. And thank you for all of the thoughts. Absolutely. Hell yeah. Good shit, dude. Well, who haven't we got to? Uh, there's, woo, there's still a lot. Um, I'm going to start actually taking out uh, some paragraphs from different comments that, that are, especially ones that are asking questions or I think bring up a point that we haven't gotten to or talked about. Um, and I think Heller Landecker brought up a very good point. Um, she actually said, back to Baltar for a second by way of Laura Roslin. I didn't like everything she did by any means, but I always believe she acted out of love for belief in, and protection of her ragtag band of remaining humans. I thought you, Cough Dean, gave Baltar way too much of a pass. The first moment of true vulnerability and self-knowledge we ever see from him is in the very last episode. Almost the last scene. Baltar acted out of not just self-preservation, but preservation of his deeply wounded, insecure ego with disastrous consequences. I'm with Six. I always wanted to be proud of him. I never was. She can have him. Ouch. Not a Baltar fan there. How do you how do you feel about that? I mean, do you <clears throat> I personally feel like Baltar is fairly fucking redeemed by the end of this by the end of the series. Um and, and I think he's he's still a mess, uh, even all the way through most of the last season, because he doesn't really know what he wants from the, the cult that starts to spring up around him and is is kind of wayward. 
even though he becomes more and more open to, I think, just the pain of other people. Um, I think that's what we see here uh, in the final season. And I think where he leaves off uh, and putting himself, you know, we talked about it last week, putting himself forward in that crucial moment to to speak up about uh, essentially not dooming themselves to further war and actually having a moment of, of, of opportunity to to step out of it, that he was the person who selflessly addressed that. Um, I like him, man. I still, I'm pretty much with you on my, on my feelings of Baltar, but what do you, what do you think of Heller's thoughts? Um, gave him a pass. Interesting way to say it. And thank you for the comment. Um, yeah, I don't, um, I'm sure there are many examples of me moralizing, but I try not to too much, especially with, I think what's a, what I think is a very well-written character and an interesting character. Um, I think, I think it's very common to give, how do I want to say this? I, I like characters that are well-written. Um, I think we all give Hannibal Lecter a pass, right? A guy who <laughs> literally eats people because he's interesting. And I think Baltar is interesting. We know he's not real, um, but we see that he's an interesting character study, an interesting look, and at times, sometimes a reflection on our own frailties as people. Um, I am not Bill Adama, even though I would love to be. Um, I think we all have a lot of Baltar in us, whether or not we like to admit it or not. And I am, uh, you know, much like a lot of comedians I love reminding us that we're all kind of in the mud and that we're all not that important. And it's important to sometimes remember that because then we can all kind of get along. (laughs) I think, I think Balt, that's one of the things I love about Baltar is I love that he's a, he's, he's a reminder of human frailty. And, um, and, uh, I've, I think I've said it a million times. I probably wouldn't invite Baltar to my Thanksgiving dinner table if he was a real person and I knew everything about him that I know about him. Um, but I also don't think he deserves death or imprisonment or any of that shit um, by the end of the series. And uh, and I don't fault him for being stuck in positions where he is up against the idea of death or or doing something, even if it's just ceremoniously, that would have been done anyway um, to survive and to sort of live to fight another day, so to speak. Um, I think Baltar... You know, you could you could definitely. I'm not saying Baltar is a good person. I'm not saying Baltar is a bad person. I'm saying Baltar is a person who does good and bad things, and I think that is a great reflection of humanity. Um, and that's what I think is so interesting about him. Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah. we love. You know, I, I made jokes about how we all weep for Darth Vader, but this guy destroyed planets. And I understand it's a very different show, but but I think, you know, I I I, I like. I think people sometimes think inconsistently across the board when it comes to characters they like and don't like and redemptions they like and don't like, especially when you look upon the sins that were (laughs) infected or inflicted upon whoever the victim is of this anti-hero or villain turned hero or sacrifice or redemptive arc for some sort of character somewhere. Um, I think it's, I think it's interesting that we will forgive certain characters for some things much more heinous than saying, Hey, I'll let you take a look at this code because I, I like you and you know, you're interested in this kind of stuff. And, and maybe it's the thrill of like, Oh, I have the keys to the, you know, to the, to the back room at the bar. Isn't this kind of fun? Not thinking it's leading to the destruction of your entire race, um, (laughs) which we learn is largely cyclical anyway. Um, but all that aside, I think it's, um, you know, I, I'm not. I don't. I'm trying not to cast moral 
judgment too much. I know I do. I do like to question. I, I more I like to question more moral consistency. Like Cavill, I'm not going to judge him morally. He's a bad guy. He's a bad dude. That's what he does. Is he interesting? Cool. But I'm not going to say like God, Cavill's such a bad guy. Ugh. I'm just going to say, wow, he's a bad guy. Interesting. Let's talk about him. Um, and I think Gaius is a more complex character and at times a reflection of some of the realities about ourselves who don't like to believe. You know, the innocent version of Baltar is Samwise Gamgee in Lord of the Rings, um, who who finds his courage. Yeah, he finds yeah. his courage at certain times. And, and what I mean by that is just a reflection of people. Like, we want to be Aragorn. We want to say we would charge into the fray to protect, you know, Merry and Pippin and die by right. arrows after killing 20 Urukai. And then there's a lot of us who would have just hid behind a fucking tree stump. Most of us, in fact. Um, <laughs> and I think that's what makes Sam such an interesting character. Or even Sam from Game of Thrones, this largely cowardice hiding person who I think reflects the everyman and not the hero that everyone may think they would be in those situations. And I think that's why Baltar is interesting to me. Probably James Callis has a lot to do with it. He's a good actor. I think he was really funny. Um, his, his, him being caught between the colonial world and the, in, the, in the Cylon world was interesting to me. Holding those two realities in tension was interesting to me. Um, and yeah, I'm not, uh, you know, if you, were to, if, you were to act, if you were to ask me, is, is Baltar an, an upstanding and moral and ethical example that I want my children to follow? No, but I do think my children, if I had any, could probably take a lesson from observing the way Baltar lives and having a frame of reference on what the fuck it means to be a person in the dangers of frailty. It would be really right. hard if I was to look, look at Zach's dead why, because he tried to live up to the impossible standard of Bill Adama that Bill probably didn't even know he put on his kids. And I'm not saying Baltar is better than Bill. I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> let's, let's, let's just think about it a little bit more broadly a, in a bit. And, right. and I'm not saying, listen, that's, this is not, I'm not rebutting, I'm not re, rebutting Heller at all. I think she's got amazing comments. She's a great commenter. She's very intelligent mm -hmm. and well-spoken. I'm just saying, you know, it, I feel like if you're, if you're, if you're throwing it my way a little, I'm going to try to explain myself as best as I can. And hopefully <laughs> that is sufficient enough to make you think I'm not just a weirdo who likes a, a bad guy, you know? Well, I also think, I mean, there's no, uh, there's no victim of circumstances out of their control, I think, more so than, than Baltar. He's sure. always the person pushed into situations that he really never tried to be a part of. Um, and that's, what, that's part of what's always kept me from, from really fully ever disliking Baltar. I have always thought he is the guy who found his way in here. I mean, even, I, I think the, the election is the only time I can really think of where he pushed forward and won the election you know, using the, the New Caprica as as kind of the catalyst for that but then from the very moment they get down there they are then dominated by by silence and he has no control over his destiny anymore and then he's in prison and then he's whisked away from from all of that to just be sheltered by the few people who give a shit about him and that grows into a cult beyond his control like he's he's never the one pushing for these things it's it's like he always and also i think that comes back to him being one of the characters most driven by the supernatural forces that they are the ones shoving him along um, I see him as kind of being less, he has a lot less access to his free will than a lot of other characters do. Yeah. Yeah. And he's made bad choices and he's done questionable things. And, and I, and that doesn't make me like him less 
as a viewer of a television show that have that has interesting characters, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's no, a well-written and interesting character, and I wouldn't invite him to Thanksgiving. I mean, uh, that should, <laughs> I think that's a good summary of the way I view Baltar um, and, and just the way he exists amongst the fleet and amongst the Cylons. And, um, and yeah, there are moments where in the right moment, if he had done the wrong thing and I was in a weird situation, I might have fucking attacked him or, or hugged him. You know, that's, I think that's what makes an interesting character. Um, yeah. 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 You're like, I don't love Hans Landa from, from, I don't love a fucking Jew hunting Nazi portrayed by Christopher Waltz, Hans Landa, but the Hans Landa is a very interesting and hilarious character. And that's not to say I'm like, Oh, but you like Nazis? No, no, it's not. It's not. You know what I mean? Like I, I, it's, 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 an, it's a terrible comparison, but you know what I'm trying to say? Bad guys. I, right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, hopefully I that's sufficiently. Bad, yeah. I'm not trying to change your opinion, by the way, Heller at all. I'm just trying to maybe help you understand mine a little bit more. Um, but yeah, we can we can definitely agree to disagree on Baltar. Nothing wrong with that. Oh, yeah. And yes, you know what? Personality goes a long fucking way. So, you know, his personality probably made me easier on him than maybe he deserved. <laughs> you were charmed. Yes. Yes, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Just like he was charmed by six. He's my six. And, I, and I, I let him peek under my skirt a little bit, and now I'm paying the price. There you go can't help yourself <laughs> well shit where should uh where should we bop over to now what have, what have we not talked about in this episode so far i mean I, I think we just keep going through listener comments because it's going to give us stuff to talk about right, you know i think right. i think the major endings you know there's not you know what i mean like I, I i think we've said a lot we've been talking for an hour and 10 minutes straight just about <laughs> let's, let's see give some more voices to those lovely people you okay? So let's let's start at the top. Go to the top of the of the of the comments. We did Daniel Mertz. We did Brian Indeed. Campbell. We did Brian Locklear. Callum Banbury. We did Marcus Rays. We okay? Yep. We did Callum. We did Marcus. Oh, we did Marcus. Mm-hmm. Did we do T Dog? We did Jackie. You just did Jackie, right? Yep. Um, how about T Dog? We did a little bit of his. Wanna, yeah. Is there anything else you, in there you want to read? Uh, no, I think you did his sufficiently. Um, he said, oh, he also says, I just want to thank you guys. The podcast has been an awesome experience. Your hard work, love, dedication, appreciation of BSG has been really apparent from the miniseries to the very end. Please know that you guys do, while working on geology is not going notice, I don't appreciate it. Keep doing you. It also has been a privilege to be part of the BSGFB group, and I've enjoyed the time we've spent together as a collective sharing our thoughts and questioning uh, and questions regarding a sci-fi show that is near, de- near dear to our hearts. Simply put, I always have fond memories of the few, the proud, the recommission. Thanks, Tommy. You're a good dude. <laughs> Thank you, D-Dog. T-Dog. Taylor, guys, a piece of shit. I'm not going to not let him be heard, of course. Michael Claudio. <laughs> no, we have not done him. Let her rip. Michael Claudio. I'm wrestling says, cat. Sorry. Finally. <laughs> Finally, after all these years, you have come to your apex. Now I love Battlestar Galactica. However, as I've been rewatching this series, I remember that I did not like the ending. Hate is a strong word, but I have had this feeling that the ending was bad and I didn't like it. As I watched this and finished, I like the ending. There are some things I'm not a huge fan of, primarily the flashbacks and the fact that the series didn't end with Adama on the hill. I think the ending was great. Starbuck is an angel, I guess. I like it. She came back to, to bring the crew and civilization to the real earth. 
The fact that Lee, how Lee of him, decided to go back to nothing and not start the cycle over again, at least so early, good on him. Let humanity and these new people evolve on their own. Now my question, which ships people went to Mexico and created the Mayan calendar that everyone keeps freaking out about? Good point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Michael bringing up the, the flashbacks, I'm, I'm a, I still feel a little weird about the flashbacks Same. as well. Don't um, love them. It, don't love them. Yeah, I don't love them. I mean, it's the only crutch. thing I feel like, the only thing I really feel like they they show is this, you know, how dutiful <laughs> both Adama and Rosalind are, that they are people who who they know what their path is. In case you, know, you didn't know that. Right, that's what I'm saying. I'm yeah. like, uh, yeah, it's a nice little like last illustration of that. Even on their time on New Caprica, they they went off towards a path that they understood and felt like they could be the most useful uh, and strong with. Sure, sure. So I'm like, we know this though. Like, I agree with that. The only flashback that I think I actually like, weirdly enough, uh, like fully, is the Lee and uh, Kara ones. And the 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 pigeon at the end, <laughs> the flying way. Like it's weird. It's kind of abstract. But I, I mostly agree with our listeners' comments that this is just Lee relenting to kind of like letting nature take its course. Cool. With care anyway. I like it, dude. That's a good observation. I'm going to go to my guy Christoph. Just a short observation. As I understand it, gem coordinates are relative. This is shown in the episode where Galactica needs to network its computers to calculate gem coordinates fast enough to find the fleet. So for the music coordinates to bring Galactica to Earth, they had to be at a Cylon, at the Cylon colony in any other point in space, the coordinates would not lead to Earth. I found that nice, since otherwise it seems like the fleet could get to Earth all along, if Kara noticed that the music is actually jump coordinates. That's a great point, Christoph. That's awesome. That's yeah, some fucking, that's, really that's some hard sci-fi shit right there, doggy. Indeed. It also adds to the idea of, of fate within this For show. Sure. That they were fated to be there at the colony at that point, so that the coordinates would work. Yep. Uh, Nick Krivik. I liked it. Never had a problem with the family. Don't understand those that didn't like it. Did I read all the comments above to try to understand any potential negative opinions? Nah. This is the internet, <laughs> baby. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that. Great series. Thanks for the covering it, guys. I'll definitely be revisiting the podcast in the years to come during future BST watches, unless the world goes tits up between now and then because of the murderous AI. But if that AI looks like six, eh, I guess I'm okay with it. So say we motivugging all. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate your commentary <laughs> as always. Oh, I'm going to read a little bit more of Heller's. I read some of the Yeah, the lingering question shit, right? That's good. Yeah, let's jump into that. Uh, Lingering question. I don't really get the point of the little exchange at the end between Heads, Baltar, and Six about God doesn't like being called that. Was it just to show us their familiarity with God? It really felt like a false note to me, but maybe I'm just missing something. I have an opinion. I feel like we kind of scrapped (laughs) the whole scene, in our opinion. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think all, all it can really do is maybe implying that a humanity's concept of whatever God is, is still inaccurate. And even calling him that is, is not truthful or something. Maybe just maybe that everyone, including the angels are working for God's plan. And, and maybe they'd have, they don't even commune with God. They never spoke to him or her. They have no idea what it is or isn't in, in, and that's part of this cyclic like fate thing. Right. Right. I guess knowing he doesn't like to be called something is interesting, but maybe the point is just to suggest that it is sort of amorphous in religion. Right, right. That it can't like it's be not it's not Abrahamic, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be attached to any belief structure Correct. that we have outside of that. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's that's about the best we can pull from that. <laughs> Let's see. 
She says, Ooh, I, no, she says, oh, I feel like I understand the series better than this fourth or fifth time around, and I have Matthew and Dean to thank for that. They may be unlicensed therapists, but their attention to the characters' motivations, <laughs> relationships, and overall psychology both made their decision discussions endlessly interesting to me and also contributed greatly to my understanding of the overall arc of the show. Thank you, Heller. I appreciate that. She continues, one way or another, they kept coming back to the question of what it means to be human, and I found the whole show and the ending even more satisfying because of that. So thanks, guys. The discussion on here has also been great to read and to be a small part of even though i got here late it's been really fun hearing others thoughts about this thing we mutually love thanks to all i will miss this space thanks heller you're you're classy lady thank you very much awesome, heller all right mr jd ibay hell yeah final beefcake report <laughs> how about that hunk of meat waiting for rosin to come to bed Sean Ellison right? probably he's kind of wooden <laughs> <laughs> a little, no, I don't know his personality. Good slab. A little, a little but. wooden, but he's a slab, but he's wooden. <laughs> uh, Rosalind looked smoky herself, yes. but she had to refuse her physical urges for a more significant cause beyond herself. Deciding to step up to join the administrative efforts has always been her calling and, of course, her destiny. Yeah. I've watched the whole series three or four times now. This was my first real binger and a very first introduction to the idea of a reimagined franchise. I find it fascinating that the show reboots itself as an ending. Ah. The ideas and themes of humans creating machines, human versus machine, human evolving with machine, to then rebooting, rebooting humanity as a whole like a machine. Whoa, mind blown. <laughs> I find the flashbacks provocative. At first, I didn't like it. Some weird attempt of bookending the finale with additional character background that could have been planted throughout the series. But this time around viewing, I nod saying, sure. It's, I guess it's up for interpretation, watching drunkenly in his safe, cushy home, battling a bird-slash-creature of nature. <laughs> and as he surrenders to the fight, the bird uh, does what nature does and flies out on its own. Right All on. the mysteries of the unknown universe entwined, we will never really understand. Only human. Thank you, Matt and Dean, for this awesome community of BSG fracking commentary and discussion. So say we all. Right on, brother. Hell yeah. No, I, I really am. like that idea, J.D., the, the idea that the cycle is the rebooting of, of humanity that like it, it is a very machine, like repetitive timed out cycle. Yeah. Cool. Um, top three beefcake report. I'm going, Ooh. I'm going probably. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that good meat? Hilo Anders. I'm talking pyramid ball Anders, not tub Anders. Um, <laughs> yeah, not slimy Anders. <laughs> not tadpole, not, not old tadpole Anders. Yeah, don't want that. Not fucking squirreling around in there with his fishy little legs that are shrinking up. <laughs> fucking web toes. <laughs> <laughs> fucking old tadpole Anders. Not it again. Uh, um, who else? <laughs> I think if you like an old guy king tile throw one in your I think you'd think you'd <laughs> yeah, I think you could still throw him. Yeah, if, I mean Yeah, I mean those are those are the contenders. Yeah, I mean it, it's Bill's kind of out of contention. I think Tyrell <laughs> None of the Cylon dudes are, are that hot. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Leoben could clean up a little bit, but... Uh, he eh. can, yeah. Yeah, Lou Ashby from fucking season two Californication, he can clean up. Hmm. He, especially if he's got a leather jacket and a kilt on. There you go. Um, yeah, I think that's it. 
two man beef. I think I think until until I think once Billy's fucking head got turned into spaghettios, he would have put in (laughs) Nebraska cornman fucking yeoman work. (laughs) (laughs) Real grunt work. Yeah. Yeah. No, I gotta agree. I think Hilo's still top of my beefcake list, man. Hilo has been this fucking straight arrow. He really has. And then of course Um, D six and Starbuck. I mean, come on. Yeah, that's pretty that's pretty solid. I don't think I Well, you know what? I think for me, if I'm gonna do if I'm gonna do the lady beef. Hmm. Probably Starbuck six. And actually, uh, I'm gonna go Sharon. Race Sharon for my third. (laughs) (laughs) D's out. (laughs) You know what? She is pretty fucking hot, ain't she? But if I only had to pick three, I'm taking D. Especially (laughs) angry D. Mm. Ooh, fierce D. Fierce D. Forget it. (laughs) Um, Six is a no-brainer. She's fucking, she starts wars just by walking down the street, so. (laughs) I think we've mentioned it before, but I still am amazed that she had no acting experience before this I know, dude. She does really well. Does really well. Damn. Crushes it. Phil Zierman says, thoughts on silent politics. We never got to see what would have happened if Cavill had gotten resurrection tech as the possibility died when Tyrrell killed Tori. But the, the final five had been able to recreate it and give it to the silence. What would Cavill and the silence have done then? We saw that the original rebels joined the colonists because they saw procreation as the only way for the race to survive, but the models that sided with the Cavill weren't entirely evil. <laughs> if Cavill had decided to continue going after humanity when the silence had resurrected technology... And could continue to survive. Would they have sided with him or would they have another silence of war between the Cylons who wanted to continue chasing? There definitely would have been another war. Cavill was not going to stop. And that's why I think that the cycle was broken with his death and as well as everything else, you know? Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah, I really wondered about that. goes off and is like, he's going to just stew the whole time, you know? (laughs) Those damn monkeys. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, I think at the end of the day, he would have been up to some shit. I think the war, this war would have ended. I think that he would have followed through on that promise. But yeah, after another decade or two, probably would have shown back up. Yeah, yeah. Seems like the way he operates. Jeff Chapman, he stopped by to say thank you. This podcast has been everything I wanted to be. Insightful, provocative, filled with excellent analysis and fucking goofy and fun. Sad we won't get an Expanse podcast, but how about just one bonus episode to reflect on the series as a whole. Well, if I saw the series, I would give that to you, Jeff, but I've only seen three episodes. Uh, favorite moments. Ooh, favorite moments, wait. least favorite moments, et cetera. A guy's got to try. Oh, oh, he's talking about um, favorite moments from the show. Oh, God, there's so many. Oh, there's so many. Um, Boy, my, honestly, still my top, my top moments I think a lot of them come out of season three. Um, the, the occupation, the Ugh. the the exodus, the fucking battle star landing in the atmosphere. We, we've talked about that a lot, but that is that is just fucking phenomenal. When they get back on the Galactica, and he's like, "Not all of us, Bill." Ty uh, having just killed Ellen oof. with his one eye. Oh. How about how about dude? He's he's so many Ty moments. Um, uh, how about when? Um, that initial moment when the Cylons turn off all of the Raiders. Ooh, yeah. God, and you're like, awesome. fuck. And they're just all adrift and they just waste them all. 
so dope. Bumping the the opening moment of the whole show in the series when they destroyed the armistice station and Six is making out with the guy, totally awesome. That's like such a great precursor to the entire series. Hell yeah. Um, uh. How about how about active contrition? <laughs> Fucking active contrition when um, when when the confession comes out about Zach. Oh, Connie, are you still good? And, oh, and Starbuck just right. melts. Oh, shit. It's so I good. mean, Boomer shooting the old man. How about um, when, when Gaius announces his bid for presidency? It's such a fucking, I go, what? And I start laughing. I'm like, what a shock. This is awesome. Because it made the, <laughs> the show was going to spin in a whole new direction. It's just a pivotal moment in the show, you know? Ah, it's beautiful. Oh. There's a lot of parts, man. A lot of great moments. Yeah, no, this, uh, every, there have been just so many surprising moments on here. I mean, I think honestly, my biggest, my single biggest shock, and we talked about this uh, a lot back when it happened, was uh, D, D fucking going out the way she did, (sighs) and D killing herself was something I just never, ever saw coming. I didn't think I would see that from any of our more, I mean, main characters. Mm -hmm. Um, That was just a complete. <laughs> was never ready for that. The totally same way I wasn't unexpected. ready for Ellen being poisoned when she was. Yeah, that was so hardcore. God. Oh my god. Oh, by the shooting way, we Ga- also have- sh- shooting Gata. Sorry. <laughs> Wait, executing, what? Executing Gata. <laughs> it doesn't hurt anymore. Every scene Zarek is in is fucking compelling. Oh, I love him. Oh man, we also have a great email that I can't read the entire thing because it's very long. Um, but listener uh, Chris Chapman, who has also sent us some other great fucking stories, uh, I'm just going to give a little quick summary and then read a little bit of the end here. So she actually she was involved with the team uh, for the the Battlestar Galactica finale premiere when they actually premiered this episode. No shit, had, like you know the cast come out. Her team was involved with projecting uh, the big Battlestar like poster on the building. So she had oh, the people cool. all put together for that, and this massive uh, Battlestar image that they projected up on the building for this big celebration. Um, but she got to meet all of the cast as, huh. as they were getting ready to go up on stage, and right they on. were hanging out smoking cigarettes by her motorcycle. So fucking good. So I want to read part by of her. her you motorcycle? Know. Exactly. She sounds like a badass. <laughs> one by one, though, they kept escaping. The cast she's talking about kept escaping the party and coming back outside to me and my motorcycle in my secret smoking corner. It was so much fun to hear all of them joke with each other. They made fun of James Callis for running off to a cave to meditate and be completely alone. Of course he did. <laughs> uh, Michael Hogan, so great to see him with two eyes, got pretty weepy-eyed about how much he was going to miss all these kids. Jamie, Jamie Bamber being so damn Apollo-esque, scolding Katie and Michael for smoking with me. They hit him ba- back with the fact that he had gotten married and they were all <laughs> giving him shit that he had basically married Duala. Eventually, I was alone with Katie, and maybe she had gotten tipsy enough, but she confessed to me that poor Starbuck was going to realize that she that was, I was some super crazy- handsome and she wanted my number. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> she realized that she was going to be some crazy dead angel Skeletor. She was sworn to silence till episode 18 when her sad ghost was going to put her picture up on the wall of the dead. No she told shit. me about her. She told me about her ghost dad telling her sometimes lost is where you need to be. Just because you don't know your direction doesn't mean you don't have one. Those words have stuck with me ever since. Wow. That's how a show can affect and inspire you. Then I was so damn sad that Kara Thrace was gone, truly gone, and that this show was really ending. So I we went inside to the party, had my photo taken with Grace and Trisha. Um, and let's see. It ends here. And then we went uh, downstairs for the official press conference. I had all of the actors lined up with me backstage waiting to go on for the Q&A. 
Uh, as Katie was about to be announced, she turned to me and gave me a quick hug, said thanks for the smokes and the chat, and said to ride that badass motorcycle safely, and that my nickname should be Starbuck. Oh, lordy, my life is now complete. Wow. <laughs> How did you not propose immediately? Oh, it's so good. It's so fucking good. <laughs> awesome. Wow, that's incredible. What that's a cool really story. Cool. Thank you so much for sharing. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, and I thanks for listening. Having met the cast, I'm glad that you that you understand our humor and approach and you're not like, ah, you're making fun of people right now. Like, I appreciate that. So that's really fucking cool. Thank you. Hell yeah. Um, got great stories. Awesome. Uh, Tom Chapman thanked us, of course. And then Rob Hayes says... Your podcasts gave a chance to experience BSG in a whole new way, new pers- new uh, new perspective, and it perspective. I think is what he meant to write. Uh, watching the show while working my daily job, I giggled, laughed, and teared up while listening to this. I've also got at least four or five friends listening to this podcast, and one of them even has never seen the show. Oh, cool, awesome! Um, he's got a list. One poor fracking Hilo. I'm sad that he hasn't made more of a career. He's so likable, and I want to squeeze him and tell him he'll be right. Don't feel sad for Hilo. He's good, dude. He's good, Robin. He's good. He's got his family. And probably got killed by Spears, but no, it's fine. <laughs> Die with family, though. Two, 99% of all sex scenes involve silence, angels, and gods. Humans are so dull. Get out there and frack your brains out. <laughs> That's a great point. If, <laughs> if Gaius is a god, I want to live in a different world. Do god, does God reset? Why was he there and why was he so clueless? Because he's one of those projections. You might have missed that part. Four, I bawled my eyes out too, thinking the scene was coming up. Seeing a diamond in his flight suit made me think it was going to happen. But alas, he was sending the fleet into the sun. (laughs) So it wasn't a wasted man cry. Lee acting like uh, young Dora the Explorer seemed out of place and fitting at the same time. Yeah, I lean more towards the former than the latter on that. (laughs) Six, since the show is over now, Matthew, you can admit what spoilers you ran into. Ooh, that's a good one. Ooh, um, the only one I actually ran into I, ahead of the me. episode, yeah, I you told, told you about me. this, was the episode, I already knew who the final five were, we'd gotten there, but the episode where uh, Ty revealed himself to Adama. Yes. I accidentally saw a clip of that and was like, fuck! Uh, I know it's coming. Great now, moment, but, by the way. I put that up on the great moments. Ooh, it's such a good one. Six, since the show is over now, Matthew, you uh, we did that. Seven, I would love it if you incorporated some of the funny moments into the show. <laughs> oh, like a best of, oh God, that's so hard. It's hard because the show is so spread out over years, you know? Yeah. Otherwise, I would totally be up for something like that. But I'll give you a, I want you to shoot Admiral Kane in the head. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's for you. Oh, <laughs> uh, fuck. My personal favorite, Boomer Bad, not let in my belly out, Bad Boomer Bad. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I forgot about that. Wow. I forget. Dude, I for, here's the problem, uh, Rob. I forget the podcast I just did. And when people post shit about the, something I said, I'm like, who said that? And they're like, you. I'm like, oh. It's <laughs> funny. That's true. Thank you so oh, much, Dean and Matt, for sticking to this and finishing what you started. I can't tell you how much joy the podcast has given me. Just know that you've touched a lot of hearts. Nine, I failed to make a small point. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Matthew. Yes, sir. We're here. We're at the moment where this is going to end and people are going to rewind it and listen to it again, I bet. (laughs) And they can revisit it at any moment they want. It'll always be there for you guys. And uh, we love you very much, man. This has been a a hell of a ride. I'm very proud of myself. I'm very proud of Matt and us and all of you for us to get through this together. Um, It's very bittersweet. And, um, you know, because... 
you, you know, it's like when family gets together for some big event and you're like, God, I just don't want to say goodbye yet. I haven't seen you in so long. You know, I, that's a feeling that I'm feeling a little bit now. So here's the good news. We're not going to be gone for that long. We're going to take a few weeks off and we're going to then do the plan. So you have another episode coming after this. If any of you want to rebut us, if any of you want to say anything, or maybe we misrepresented what you thought, or we, or we downright missed your comments, um, please, by all means, after hearing this episode, by all means, um, feel free to um, hang on to those thoughts. And when we write about, when we, when we post the episode in the Facebook group about how we're going to cover the plan, I will also include in that any, any, any like round two series finale thoughts that you guys want to get to, and we'll do it again. We'll give you one more. We'll give you one more rep. Just give us a few weeks off to celebrate this four-year project and, <laughs> uh, and, and keep your eyes peeled on the Facebook group. If you're listening to this the first time, it's facebook.com slash groups slash LSG on BSG. I think it's in the show notes. That's facebook.com slash groups slash LSG on BSG. That was the name that here's a, here's some cool trivia. LSG on BHT was the name of the podcast before we had a name for it. <laughs> there you go. We were just calling it LSG on BSG. Isn't that fucking crazy? Damn. That's like, <laughs> that's like you know, when you hear like, what was it called before it was called something? That was it. True. Not very good, but uh, sufficient <laughs> but enough to describe what we were doing. <laughs> so yes, oh. thank you again. Thank you very much. We love you guys. We will see you in a few weeks. We will do some. We will do some more comments on the finale, and and we'll we'll talk about the plan, and all that shit. So do yourselves a favor. Try to watch it now. You've got a few weeks before we post. Matt and I are going to kick our feet up in the sand for a little bit. I guess if your feet are up, they're not in the sand. But you get the point. Um. Thank you to everybody. I'm not going to name all of you Thanks. because I will indubitably miss one of you, and that would suck. You all know who you are. You've been an amazing contributing force to this. You've made it way better than it. It's just two guys blowing each other talking about this show. So thank you very much. Um, Matthew, please sure. give these people a goodbye in, in as many words as you need to. <laughs> well, yeah. No, I'm just going to be echoing you. Thank you, everybody, so much for for being involved and being a part of this. We We tackled this thing not fully knowing what we were doing. Really, honestly, this is the first show we we did so much experimenting on and and uh, experimenting, which is even the format of me not knowing what's coming and all of it. Uh, it's Dude, been a you wild stayed spoiler-free for four years. That's bananas. I did. I somehow managed to do it. Uh, and I came close a couple of times. Pages opening up where I started to realize, oh, no, no, this is going to tie into the next episode's uh, plot summary. I can't look at it. can't look at it. Got to stay away. Somehow, uh, we did it. Stayed spoiler-free. Um, and yeah, I just hope, I hope the ride has been fun for all of you. And I hope uh, for people who've, who have already seen the show and have been longtime lovers of it and seen the entire thing that I was never way too off base that you got to at least laugh <laughs> at uh, how, how close or way far off I was. Yes. Um, yeah, man, this has been a, this has been a fucking ride. I, even though we've been kind of, you know, mixed on the finale itself, I do want to be very clear. I fucking love this Me show. Too. Um, I think Battlestar is excellent. It's, it's ahead of its, it's time. It's up there, man. It's oh, absolutely ahead of its time. Um, I mean, so even non-sci-fi shows owe a lot to to the tone of this show and the style of it. Uh, it's just so grounded. It's so real. Even even in the fourth season, where things get more metaphysical and spiritual, the characters are still grounded in a reality and a ship that's crumbling and with you know the same needs as all of us right here and now. 
it fucking it works, man. They made it fucking work. This, Amen. The cast is excellent. The show's excellent. I'm gonna always love it. Yep. Um, yeah, and I think I'll have even more more thoughts on the series probably uh, when we do the plan. Yeah, and we're gonna digest a lot of like just talking has opened up a lot of Thor's, and as a result of that, I'm gonna hang on to the Daybreak Two notes, and we'll go back through Hera Starbuck, the Fleet, Roslyn, Silent Rebels, Cavils, Earth, Final Five. We're gonna go through and, and give our final grades on that shit on the plan episode. So the plan episode will probably be another lengthy episode. Um, but, uh, I do have to skedaddle. So thank you guys. We love you. And we will see you one more time in a few weeks time. So please stay on the, uh, stay in the Facebook group and do yourselves a favor and watch the plan. Do your homework ahead of time. And, uh, you won't be up against the gun. And, uh, uh thank you guys. We love you very much. This has been amazing. And, uh, that's it. So say we all. <laughs>